0: From the newsroom of The Washington
1: Post. Hi, this is Vanessa Williams from The Washington Post. I'm hey, it's Philip Rucker at The Washington Post. Do you have a minute? Hi, this is Dan Zak. From- this is Post
0: Reports. I'm Maggie Penman. It's Friday, December 18th. Today, the woman tapped to lead the Treasury. And how the North Pole is coping with the pandemic.
2: Today, I have the pleasure of announcing key nominations and appointments for the critical economic positions in the administration.
1: Joe Biden surprised a lot of people at first by picking Janet Yellen to be his Treasury Secretary nominee. Thank you, Mr. President-elect
3: and Madam Vice President-elect. It's my great honor to
1: have this opportunity to
3: serve you
1: and the American people. Yellen is best known as the former head of the Federal Reserve, and she was vice chair of the Fed before that and president of the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank before that. But she's also been in the White House before. She was actually on Bill Clinton's Council of Economic Advisers in the late 1990s. Well, this is an extraordinary honor, and I would like to express my gratitude To the president for his announcement of his intention to nominate me for this extremely important post. And she's had a long career as a professor of economics. I am Heather Long, an economics correspondent at The Washington Post.
0: And what would you say her economic philosophy is?
1: Her number one economic philosophy, she is a labor economist, so has been very focused on how do we get people back to work and how do we raise wages. And she's best known in the last few years for being a strong proponent that you can run the economy hot. So you can let things growth continue to pick up and risk even a little bit of inflation in order to get unemployment down and get more people back to work. Thus supporting some further strengthening in the job market and a sustained return to 2% inflation.
0: And I'm curious about how this job might be different from other jobs that Janet Yellen has had in the past, because obviously she's had high profile government jobs before, as you said. She has been in the White House. She was the chair of the Federal Reserve. But what's different about the Treasury?
1: it's huge. It includes things like the Internal Revenue Service. So there'll be some new areas that she hasn't managed before directly. But I think the biggest challenge for her is it's a very political job. And while she's been good at navigating politics, when you're at the Fed, you try to be independent. You're try to you serving all Americans. And yeah, she'll be doing that in Treasury too, but she's much more out there as one of Joe Biden's top voices, his top people in the administration. And so that will inherently make her you know, seen as as very one sided.
0: And what has the response been to Biden's choice of Janet Yellen?
1: So far, it's been overwhelmingly positive. A lot of people are saying she's absolutely the right choice for this time, for this moment that we're still in a deep recession. We still have nearly 10 million jobs that were lost in April that haven't come back yet. And That's exactly who we want at the helm, this woman who's been a steady hand, who's had a proven track record at the Federal Reserve, and who's someone who's respected on Wall Street. You saw a lot of executives applaud her, and also among labor advocates and progressive Democrats who applaud her. She went after Wells Fargo at the end of her Federal Reserve tenure. She's obviously been a huge champion of what's known as full employment, of ways to get people back to work. So It's pretty rare that you see that much praise. And I would note that even quite a few Republicans have come out. Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa, came out and said he she thought that she had a pretty good chance of getting confirmed, which is a strong signal. And even Larry Kudlow, President Trump's top economic advisor, recently told The Washington Post that he thought she was a good choice.
2: Well, I think she knows the ropes. I think she did a decent job at the Fed. I might not agree with her on every point, but I think she has very sensible views on the economy.
0: So why does it seem like so many people trust Janet Yellen? Like on both sides of the aisle, I think this is really rare right now in Washington that someone gets such overwhelming praise from both sides.
1: Well, success and data speak for itself, and the reality is in her four years at chairing the Federal Reserve from 2014 to 2018, as the Washington Post has chronicled, unemployment fell the most under that four-year tenure of any Fed chair uh, since World War II, and At the same time, the stock market rose really dramatically during that period. So that's why Wall Street really likes her and is pretty happy. And that's why regular people really like her and generally are pretty happy, because she was able to achieve results as well for the overall economy by getting so many people back to work in that period.
0: So what do you think she would want to do in her first 100 days as the Treasury Secretary?
1: Our number one job is to get this economy back on track. We are only half recovered. We've got millions of people who still need to get back to work. We potentially have an eviction crisis coming in early 2021. And this is really scary for our nation. And yes, these vaccines are coming. Hopefully they start getting distributed widely in the spring and summer. But it's going to take a little bit longer to get the economy going after that. She's a huge proponent of stimulus, so of more government aid. I think you'll see her be a strong advocate on Capitol Hill using using those ties she has with both Republicans and Democrats to try to push a deal. And I think you'll also see uh, her work with her former employer, the Federal Reserve, work on creative solutions between the Fed and the Treasury to continue to provide lifelines for the economy and particularly small business and state and local governments as we move forward.
0: So I understand Janet Yellen has also spent a lot of time thinking about wages and in particular wages for workers and why they maybe haven't risen at the same rate that you would expect considering the economic growth that we've seen in recent years.
1: Yellen has written for years, including with her husband, who's a Nobel Prize winner, about these issues of why wages in the United States for a lot of working class people have basically been stagnant since the 80s. And she's written about this in the 80s and again in the 90s. And it's a dynamic that other than the late 90s, we just haven't seen much wage growth for a lot of the bottom 90% of Americans. And that begins to weigh on the economy. We are a spending economy. And when people's incomes aren't growing, they aren't able to go out and spend. And there's a lot of debate about What's driving that? You know, is it the decline of unions? Is it the fact that companies are getting larger and larger and they tend to have more power over setting wages in an industry the larger they get? So she won't be able to single-handedly change that overnight. But I think again, she's a believer in the best way to get wages and give more power to workers is to run a hot economy. And you saw that last year. Wages were finally starting to rise in 2019 by a pretty good clip. And a big part of that was it was hard for companies to find workers. And when they got a scramble, they're going to pay more.
0: And what's the state of the Treasury right now that Janet Yellen is about to inherit?
1: I think it's it's better than people might realize. uh, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin has been there all four years of Trump's term, so that's provided a bit of continuity. Uh, Like many agencies, there are some openings that were not filled, but by and large, Treasury is is a really huge organization with the IRS, with departments that handle international finance. The Treasury also issues uh, government debt, and we've been issuing Uh, quite large amounts of government debt this year in order to pay for the stimulus that we did earlier in the year to try to help with the COVID crisis. So in in that sense, I think she's inheriting a strong institution, but she wants to leave her mark. She's going to be the first female Treasury Secretary, and she knows how important that is for generations to come.
0: And how do you think she will leave that mark? I'm just curious, like, obviously she hasn't taken this position yet. She hasn't even been confirmed yet. But How do you think her legacy could play out as the first female secretary of the Treasury?
1: I think it has the potential to be huge. You already see so many female economists and female people in finance. I remember getting a text shortly after she just got named um, from some women I know on Wall Street who were just ecstatic about what an inspiration she has been to them throughout their careers. But beyond that, she has long been an outspoken advocate and rallied other economists around the idea of taking action on climate change. And in particular, she's been a vocal proponent of a carbon tax. Now, I don't know that that's what the Biden administration is going to want to do, but I think she's going to be very active in those discussions on how do we act as a nation on climate change. And that would be a very long lasting legacy.
0: What about Janet Yellen, the person? I'm just curious if you know, what is she like as a human being?
1: Two things really stand out about Janet Yellen. Number one is she sees herself as a woman of the people. And she was famous at the Federal Reserve, even when she held those really high positions, for eating in the cafeteria almost every day. She would eat in the cafeteria alongside everyone. (laughs) She would talk to interns, talk to staff while she's walking down the halls. And I I think she's going to continue that at the Treasury. And it's one of the reasons that so many people consider her a friend and have photos and selfies with her. Uh, The second thing that makes her pretty good and a great candidate for this position is she's a very cautious and careful and thoughtful person. And what I mean by that is she's the type of person who shows up at least two hours before the flight to the airport. She likes to be early. I sat on a panel with her about a year ago at the Economic Policy Institute on um, women and diversity in economics, and even for a panel, she had written out pages and pages of notes, and she would often read from those in response to the question, and not in a monotonous way, but she just thinks that deeply, even to appear on a panel. I studied at Yale between 1967 and 71. There were not a lot of women, but there were three of us in a class of about 25 students. You could tell that she had spent hours thinking about what she wanted to say and thinking about the research and thinking about different angles. And that comes through just over and over again when you talk to people about her uh, is, you know she has chewed up and thought about and debated an issue over and over again. And that's why she commands so much respect. You might disagree with her take, but you know it's been done carefully and thoughtfully.
0: Heather Long is an economics correspondent for The Post. The
2: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
0: And now, one more thing about how no one can escape the pandemic this holiday season not even St. Nick himself.
3: The pandemic has forced us to rethink a lot of holiday traditions, and that includes visits with Santa. I'm Abba Patray, and I'm the national retail reporter at The Post. A lot of companies like Macy's are canceling Santa visits altogether and are doing them virtually instead. But even so, many retailers are forging ahead with extra precautions for Santa.
2: My name is Mark Erlman. Uh, I'm the owner of Santa Claus and Company. We're a um, full service entertainment company in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. You can't sit on Santa's lap. You can't sit next to Santa. Uh, We're having to keep people socially distant about five feet away from Santa for the pictures.
3: Some malls have Santa confined to an acrylic snow globe so that he's distant uh, and protected from the children. Others have created extra long sleighs or have sort of put together face shields that connect to Santa's red hat so that he's protected a little bit more than he would be with just a mask. And we're seeing a lot more retailers, stores, malls requiring temperature checks, masks for everybody. A lot of them require reservations now so that there's no waiting around in line. You just come in, quickly get your photo with Santa and leave.
2: We have a bench set in front of Santa's uh, throne and uh, Santa sits back and he's he's elevated above them. We take the pictures there and then they turn around and talk to Santa and then they, they go ahead and exit to see their pictures after that. Santas themselves are extremely nervous. Since most of the Santas are in that age range of 65, 70 plus, uh, a lot of the Santas have chosen not to, to work this year.
3: Many of the companies I talked to said that at least half of their Santas were sitting out the season completely this year or only doing virtual visits because they tend to be older men in their 70s and 80s who have pre-existing conditions and are at high risk of COVID complications. So they're very, very wary of being out there right now, being so exposed. Analysts estimate that last year, 10 million families took their kids to the mall or to a store to get a photo with Santa. And that number is expected to be down about 65% this year more families are opting for virtual visits, and families are also booking more home visits. They don't want to go to a crowded mall, so they're asking Santa to come to them to come and read a storybook to their kids or sing a song from a distance.
2: People are looking for for something, something that says life is going to continue. It's going to get back to being normal. I sat in a carriage and just waved at people as they drove through the Phoenix Zoo lights. And when they came around the corner and they saw me, you just see smiles on their faces. There's so many people driving around and walking around and there's frowns and they're sad because of the you know, isolation. But when they see Santa, it just kind of brings a heartwarming glow to them. You know? And it's nice to be able to bring that, that happiness to them.
0: Mark Brenman has been a Santa performer for nearly five decades. Abba Baturai is the retail reporter for The Post. It for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. I'm Maggie Penman, the show's executive producer. Our senior producer is Rena Flores. Our editors are Alexis Diao and Ted Muldoon, who also composed our theme music. Our producers are Lena Mohammed and Jordan Marie Smith. Renny Svernovsky is our associate producer. The Post director of audio is Jess Stahl. Martine Powers will be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.